Well, hey, Rocky Peak, it's great to be with you, and Merry Christmas. It's hard to believe what a year it's been, but it's so good to be coming into this month to be celebrating uh, the birth of Jesus and all that that brings. I'm looking forward to connecting with you throughout this month, whether it's uh, online or here on our weekend services or Christmas Eve. I'm uh, just excited to be entering into this season. But anyway, my name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I look forward to meeting you uh, soon. But we're going to go into our time of teaching right now. So hopefully you've downloaded the message note sheet in whatever format's your favorite format and you're ready to go. Uh, I'm ready to jump in. Let's pray and we'll, uh, we'll jump into the service. So Father, we're just thankful to be here at the start of this season, a season when we celebrate uh, the coming of the great King, the promises uh, that were made, that were fulfilled, that would change the course of human history. And God, as we enter into this month in the midst of all the craziness, the craziness of COVID, and then on top of it, just the season, we pray that you give us great clarity as we move forward, that we be hearing your voice this month, be sensing your presence, drawing us to yourself as you conform us to be like Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, our story starts today on a hot summer night, and he has worked so hard today. He's exhausted, and by all rights, he should fall immediately to sleep. But that's not how life's working these days. If you were to look at his life on the outside, he would have it all together. He's at the top of his game, but on the inside, his life is falling apart. And he's not sure how much longer he can hold it together and keep up appearances. The fact of the matter is he's, he's done something. He's made a decision. He's made a choice. And uh, the guilt is eating him alive. At this point, it hasn't yet come to the surface. It hasn't yet been discovered. And yet, the pressure he feels day after day Night after night, it's taken its toll. The fear it will be discovered, what it means, what it means for his future. During the day when he's working hard, it's easier to be distracted, to put off the concerns. But as at times like this, late at night on a warm summer night, he just can't turn off the thoughts. The memories of what he's done keep coming. The guilt that's here in the present won't let him go. And his fear keeps rising about the future. And he's not sure how long he can hold out before it leads to a total breakdown of his life. Well, today we continue our series that we've been last uh, four or five weeks called The Blessing. And uh, for those of you who are, who are, are new joining us, just want to welcome you. Uh, the subtitle, this is God's Pursuit of His People. And the key concept that we've been learning each week in this series is that uh, as a human race, we were created to be uh, like our creator. We were created to be in relationship with him. We were created to rule over creation uh, under his blessing for him. Um, but because of our rebellion as a race, to a large extent, we have lost that blessing. And the story that the Bible is telling is how God is pursuing us as a race to restore that blessing in our life. Now, if you've been here throughout the series, you know that one of the most important lessons we've learned is that though God is pursuing us to bless us, that this blessing is not automatic, that there are choices for us to make. 
And the question we're tackling today is what happens when we make the wrong choices? What happens when we choose the path of death over the path of life? What happens when we choose the, the path of the curse rather than the blessing? How do we get back on track so we can begin to experience the blessing of God in our life again? And to kick this off today, I want to look at a case study. It's a case study from one of the most famous people in the Bible. His name is David. We call him King David, the greatest king in Israel's history. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, you have your apps, let's go ahead and open up to Psalm 32 in the Old Testament, the first half of our Bible. Uh, And there in your note sheet, you have a section that is called The Blessing, A Case Study. And so as you're turning there, uh, let me set this up. So this is a Psalm of David, as we'll see. And uh, David, we're not told when David wrote this Psalm or the specific uh, circumstances that led to the writing of this Psalm. But what we're gonna see is that David has apparently recently committed some sort of major sin in his life. He has gotten off the path of life. He's on the path of death. And that his initial response to this, he knew what he was doing. His initial response was to live in the, what I call the land of denial, to deny, to pretend, to rationalize, to minimize, to, to uh, excuse what he's done. But the longer he tries to hold it out, the greater the conviction comes until finally he comes to a place where he breaks and he's gonna come clean with God and confess what he's done. And the, the question is what happens when he makes that confession? So we'll pick it up. In verse, uh, verse one, we're gonna read the entire chapter. And it starts off in verse one. He says, uh, first of all, notice the heading. It's the Psalm of David, and it's a, a mascal, which we don't really know what that means. Uh, it may be a type of music, uh, music literature, like a genre of music. It may be a type of musical instrument, but um, it's instructions forever who is leading the congregation in worship. And so notice the first word he starts with. What's the very first word? Yeah, it's a word blessed. And that's the topic of this entire series, isn't it? That God is pursuing us, the path of blessing. And so that's what this psalm is about. Uh, how did David get off the path? How did he get back on the path? So he says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one who sin the Lord, and by the Lord, all caps, Yahweh, does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. And so the topic of this passage is the blessing. He says the the person that comes under the leadership of God and experiences this this blessing of forgiveness in his life where his past and what he's done has been wiped away is under an incredible, it's it's a great place to be, to live under the blessing of forgiveness. And so now in verse three, he's going to begin to kind of tell us his story. Now, this takes us back to the story we started the day with. We started the day with the story of this man who's at the top of his game. From the outside, it looks like he's got the world by the tail, but inside his life is falling apart. And the reason is he's done something in his life that um, is, he knows is wrong, he knows is in rebellion, but he's been trying to pretend it's okay. But the longer he pretends, the greater the conviction, the greater the sense of guilt, the greater the fear, until finally he he breaks. Now, as I said in the intro, we don't really know exactly what this, uh, this sin was. 
We know that at one point in David's life, uh, many of you probably know that he committed a major sin of having an affair with the wife of one of his top trusted uh, warriors named Uriah. Uh, and when she came up pregnant, he tried to cover that up. And when, when that failed, he had Uriah sent to the front lines and then had the army uh, pull back from him so he'd be killed. So he essentially committed adultery and murder. But we don't know if that is the sin this psalm is talking about or whether it's some other major sin that's happening in his life. Um, But let's see what happens. He says, so initially, his initial instinct was to stay silent. And, And I think this is very common, that often in our life when we get off track, when we rebel against the Lord, we choose the path of death instead of the path of life, our initial response is often to rationalize. It's to justify. It's to minimize. It's to excuse. It's to blame others. In fact, often when people that love us who are followers of Jesus step into our life and challenge us about this, if they find out, we'll often become very defensive. Who are you to judge? It's not your place. This is no big deal. Times have changed, whatever it is. It's a, it's a normal human response to defend ourselves from the truth when we don't want to hear. And so this is where the story starts, that, that David has committed some sort of major sin in his life, but he's living in the land of denial. And he says that, verse three, that when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through all my groaning, through my groaning all day long. But catch us for day and night, whose hand was heavy on me? See, David is now in a place of blessing. But as he looks back on this period of his life when he was living in rebellion and living in denial, he now can see that it was God's hand on his life, driving him to a place of honesty and confession. But he says, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me, and my strength was sapped as if in the heat of summer. I don't know if you've experienced this, but as followers of Jesus, when we're living in high-handed sin, what the Old Testament call high-handed sin, something we know is wrong, and we're just gonna do it anyway. We're living out a life of sexual immorality. We're living out a lie. We're living out fraud. We're, uh, we're involved in uh, uh, kind of substance abuse. We're, uh, we're, we're holding on to our anger. We're living in hatred. Whatever it is, that what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to come into our life and begins to bring his pressure to bear on us, as we'll see today. And it's a very painful thing. In fact, if someone claims to be a believer of Jesus and can live in high-handed sin and not have him bother, it really raises questions about their salvation. Because if we're a follower of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit within us and we're living in high-handed sin, we're going to feel the pressure of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna feel the hand of God on us and it's gonna sap our strength. We may be enjoying the pleasure or enjoying the fruits of sin, but at the same time, we can never really come to a place of peace. We can never really come to a place of rest. Like David, though he's king, he can't come to a place of rest. On the outside, everything looks great, but on the inside, behind closed doors, he's dying because spiritually, God's hand is on his life. 
And so he says, when I kept silent, verse three, my bones wasted away, whether it's literal or just it feels like your, your body's coming apart. Through all my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And so this drove him to a place, and maybe you've been there, where you just can't resist the Lord any longer. You're just tired of living in sin. You're tired of doing the wrong thing. The pleasure, whatever you're getting out of it, it's no longer worth the pain. And so finally, David comes to this place where he says, I, I, I can't live in the land of denial anymore. I can't rationalize anymore. I can't pretend. I can't minimize. I can't excuse. I can't blame. I've got to come clean. And so he makes this decision to go before the Lord and to come clean. And so he says, then I acknowledge my sin to you. I finally came to that place, and I didn't cover up, rationalize my iniquity. And I said, I made this decision, I will confess my transgressions to Yahweh. And I want you to catch this. The moment he did, the Lord forgave him. He said, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, I want you to catch that. We may talk about this later. We'll see how this goes. But I want you to catch it here if we don't get back to it. The moment he came clean, surrendered to, to Yahweh's leadership in his life, stopped pretending that very moment that the Lord forgave him. Notice what's missing. There's no penance. There's no say these prayers. There's no, okay, but you have to do this sacrifice. There's no, uh, hey, these, that's great, but you need to do these good works. Uh, there's no, well, that's great, but go to your room and think about it for a while, and then we'll talk again. The moment he came clean, the Lord forgave him. We'll come back to that. And so now, based on his life experience, David wants to come to us and challenge us to do the same thing. Whenever we find in our life that we're no longer on the path of blessing, we're on the path of the curse, we're not in the path of, of life, we're in the path of death, that whenever we get off track, he says, you need to do what I did. Like, stop pretending, stop rationalizing, stop justifying, stop minimizing, stop excusing, stop blaming, and just come clean. And he said, therefore, in verse six, let all the faithful, those who want to be, have a relationship with the Lord, Pray to you while you may be found. And surely the rising of the mighty waters, it felt like David, you know, with uh, when he was in this sin and rebellion and pretending, it felt like he was in a flash flood and the, the waters were coming up and about to take him over. But he says, surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. He said, the moment he, he, was, he turned to the Lord, he said, you are my hiding place. Like you rescued me from the guilt. You rescued me from that sin. And you will protect me from trouble and you'll surround my life with songs of deliverance. And now this is beautiful because at this point, the Lord is gonna speak to David. And this is what we're gonna see today, that God is so hungry to forgive us, that not just to forgive us, but to restore our relationship. And so the moment David comes clean, God begins to speak again into his life and he says in verse eight, God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my what? 
my loving eye. We'll come back. I'll counsel with my loving eye on you. He says, now, for your part, uh, don't be like the horse or the mule. Now, this is what David was, was like before when he was rebelling and then pretending. He was like a horse or mule. And you say, well, what do you mean? He says, well, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. See, David was trying to run from the Lord, pretend his sin was no big deal, pretend it was okay. And the Lord had to bring his heavy hand on David to drive him to honesty, to drive him to confession. And so, so he says, David, now that your relationship is restored, let's not do that again. He said, don't be like a horse. Don't be like a mule that won't come to you unless they're forced. He said, in verse 10, he says, many are the, David says, many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's, Yahweh's unfailing love, like David experienced, his love for him, that even when he was in sin and even in denial, the Lord continued to pursue him. That he said, the Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who trust in him. So he says, rejoice in Yahweh. He tells the whole congregation, rejoice in Yahweh, who this God is, and be glad you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. And he wraps it up, right? So he, he start, the psalm starts with this, this statement about blessing. See, David's come full circle. He started in rebellion. He, he went to the land of denial, but then that led finally as God's pressure to a true confession of forgiveness, a restoration, and he's back under the blessing. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about this gift of forgiveness, what it looks like to live in the land of blessing, in the land of God's forgiveness. And I want to highlight two important principles that flow out of this passage and then come back at the end and ask two important questions for our life. So there in your note sheet, you have a section that's called the blessing, the gift of forgiveness. So let's jump in. Two very simple principles are going to be very obvious, but they're very powerful and profound when we embrace them for our lives. So the first principle is what we see in this psalm is that God longs to forgive us. You know, I think often, even as believers, sometimes we can look at God as if he's slow or reticent to forgive us, as if when we sin, he's like, well, I've got to forgive them. I mean, after all, I'm God. You know, it's the right thing to do. Um, that he's kind of like us sometimes. You know, like when we forgive people, like, well, I don't really want to, but, but, I, but I, I guess I, I've got to, I've got to do this. Um, but what we see in this passage is that that God is actually pursuing David to forgive him. That even in the midst of his sin, even in the midst of his denial, God is pursuing him because God's desire is to bless David again. He wants to get David back to that place of blessing. Now, this is interesting. I want to set this up, this first principle. I want to set this in the context of our entire series. Because what we've seen in this series is that, that you and I were created to live in relationship with God. We were created to be like him in our core character, created in his image. We were created to rule over his creation for him under the blessing. But we, we've seen that, that when we rebelled against him as a race, that to a large degree we lost that blessing. In fact, we came as a race under the judgment of God and the story the Bible is telling 
is how God has pursued a rebellious race in sight of our sin and denial to restore the blessing of our life. And this is what we're seeing in this uh, psalm. Uh, we don't know what David has done, but obviously it's something serious. It's something that's tearing him apart. But in spite of his sin, in spite of his rebellion, in spite of his denial, that God is pursuing him. Now here's the interesting thing. When God is pursuing David, at the time, it doesn't feel like he's pursuing him to bless him. In fact, look how, da how, how David describes this experience. Again, we talked about this before, but I want to highlight again. There in your note sheet, uh, David says, when I kept silent, in other words, when I was living in the land of denial, he said, my, my bones wasted away through all my groaning all day long. Uh, David was in a place of pain. Uh, his life may have looked good on the outside, but inside he was, he was really hurting. And then why is he hurting so much? Well, because day and night, whose hand? Your hand. Your hand was heavy on me. And so when this was going on, do you think David felt, hey, like God is really loving me. He's pursuing me. He wants to bless me. I doubt he felt that way. That's often how, not how we feel. When we are running away from God, when we're living in rebellion and God is bringing his conviction in our life, uh, when God is closing doors in our life, when he's removing blessing from our life, when things are going wrong in our life, it doesn't feel like he's pursuing us to bless us. But the fact of the matter is that he is that he is bringing this pain in our life, whether it's emotional pain or closed doors or physical illness, whatever it is that he is doing to get our attention. The fact of the matter is he's pursuing us to bless us. It's interesting, in Proverbs chapter three, and this verse is not on your note sheet, so you may wanna write it down, but in Proverbs chapter three, in verse 11 and 12, this is that famous passage on wisdom that we talked about two weeks ago. We talked about the path of wisdom. And the father is counseling the son. And one of the things he says to the son is, my son, do not despise Yahweh's discipline in your life. He said, because he, he disciplines us like a father who disciplines the children he loves when you think about this in uh, like a child's life, if you're a parent, you have to bring discipline to bear and it brings pain on their life. Right? They may even feel like you don't like them or you're out to get them, but the reality is is you're, you're driving them to a place of blessing where their life can go well. And that's what we're seeing in this psalm that, that, Dave, that, that in spite of the fact that David is in rebellion, in spite of the fact he's living in the land of denial, that God is pursuing him because the desire of God's heart is to drive him to a place of honesty where he'll embrace the truth about what he's done so that God can forgive him and restore his life. And so the first thing that we learn is that God, 
He, he, he longs to forgive. It's not something that he kind of withholds, like, well, I, I guess I just have to do this. He wants to bless us. He's driving us to that place of blessing because that gives his greatest joy. But when we come to that place of confession so that he can bless our lives. Now, number two. The second principle, again, simple but profound, is that God not only longs to bless us or forgive us, he longs to restore us. I think that sometimes, even as Christians, we can struggle with this. That sometimes we've been off track, we, we kind of accept, well, I guess he's gonna forgive me, it's what he has to do, he's God. Um, but what we miss is that his desire is not simply to forgive, but to restore that relationship. This is why I pointed out earlier as we went through the passage that the very moment that, that David confessed his sin, he came clean, at that moment, he says, God forgave me. But right there, like there wasn't anything else he had to do. There was no penance he had to perform. There was no prayers he need, needed to make. There was no sacrifices he had to offer. There was no good works he had to do. The moment that he turned in honesty, God forgave him. And not only forgave him, but he began to speak into his life again. He said, with the with my loving eye upon you. There in Psalm 32, again, this is where God begins to speak. Remember we saw this, the moment he turns, God says, I will instruct you and I'll teach you in the way that you should go. In other words, I'm, I'm back, we're back together now. You've been ignoring me. You've been not listening to me. I think sometimes we think that when we come back, we've been in a far and distant country, we've been disobeying, that the Lord is back there kind of saying, well, that's great, why don't you go to your room and you think about what you've done and then we'll talk. But what you see here is that's not the case. The moment that David comes back, the moment that he confesses he's forgiven and God begins to speak and God begins to share his heart that my loving eye is on you. I'm gonna lead you, I'm gonna guide you every step of the way into your future. The one thing you need to do is make sure this time you listen so you can be back in this place of blessing again. It reminds me a lot of the famous story that Jesus once told, probably the most famous story he ever told, the story that's recorded in Luke chapter 15 that we call the story of uh, the prodigal son. And if you remember that story, the son uh, acts in an incredibly irresponsible way, takes the inheritance early, takes it off to a far distant land, spends it on partying and prostitutes, and when he comes to the, the end of his rope, he's homeless, you know, kind of downtown LA, whatever. He, he's looking to, to eat the scraps, right, that, that he decides to go home. And he, he comes to his senses, Jesus, and he comes to his senses and he, he realizes he sinned against his father and against heaven itself. And he, he's got this whole speech prepared and he's, he's coming home, but do you remember what happens? The father sees him from a distance and begins to run to him. And there's no words of shaming. There's no condemnation. The son barely gets the words out of his mouth that I've sinned. And the father is, 
is quickly giving orders to his servants. Let's get some new sandals on this kid. His, 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 clothes a, uh, his clothes are a mess. Let's get some sandals on his feet, a new robe on him. Let's get the ring, the sign of sunship. Let's throw a party. There, there's no, what I want you to catch here is there's no break. There's, there's no like, Father, I have sinned. Well, that's great, son, but there's a, you have done something amazingly wrong. You need to go to the bunkhouse and think about this, and in two weeks, we'll talk about this. That's not the way it works. This father runs to the son, and that's what we're seeing in Psalm 32. The moment that David turns, God forgives, restores, and begins to speak into his life again. So this leads to a couple questions then. So there in your note sheet, you have a section called The Blessing, two key questions. And, and I wanna reflect on this just for your life, my life. I wanna, let's just probe into this and uh, see what does this mean for us? So here's the first question I have for you. The first question is, are you living in the land of forgiveness? Are you in this place of blessing that David describes? Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions are not. Are you living in that place of blessing right now in your life? And I think we need to ask this at a couple levels. We've seen today God's desire, right? That his desire is to bring us to this place of blessing. That he wants to rescue us from the rushing waters that are threatening to destroy. He wants us to be our hiding place. He wants to surround us with songs of deliverance. He wants to put a new song in our mouth, a sound of freedom that, hey, we once were lost or we once were uh, in rebellion or we, we once, we, we felt like the strength was being sucked out of our life, but, but the Lord rescued me and I'm a place of peace. I'm in this place of freedom. I'm a place of joy. The, the question is, are you in that place today? Are you living in the land of forgiveness. And I think we need to ask this question at a couple different levels. We, we need to ask it, at, at one level, for those of you who have not yet given your life to Christ, um, and then we need to ask it for those of us who have given our life to Christ. So let's start with those of us who have not. What we're seeing today in Psalm 32 in some ways is a microcosm of the story the Bible is telling. The story about a race who rebels against the creator, it's under the judgment of God, but it's when we, when we come back to him, instead of being judged, we're forgiven and, and come under the blessing again. In fact, it's really interesting. I wish we had more time to delve into this. Maybe you can study this on your own, but just because of time, I, I cut this out, but I want to refer to it real quick. As you know, in the New Testament, when the apostle Paul is explaining the big picture story of our race, our rebellion, what God has done in Christ to rescue, how he pursued us in spite of our rebellion. He, he tells this story in Romans, in, in the book of Romans. And when he gets to chapter four, he says, you know, there's a, there's a couple ways that we can approach our relationship with God. We can approach our relationship with God from a, a place of works. Like if you go out and you work for someone, you earn a wage. That's you can approach your relationship with God. Like, I'll work and do good things and then hopefully have enough to, to buy my salvation. He said, or oh, there's a second way to approach our relationship with God. It's the way of faith. It's a way of trusting in God's goodness and specifically trusting in the death of Christ for me personally. 
that I can be made right with God, not based on my performance, but on the performance of Jesus, his death for me. Paul says there are two really different ways. And he said the only way that works is where we trust in God who justifies or makes right the guilty, just like with David today. And then he actually quotes Psalm 32 about the blessing. Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. I put the reference there on your sheet, note sheet if you want to check it out later. But this is, in a sense, in Psalm 32, it's a microcosm of the story the Bible's telling, that God is pursuing each of us, and he loves us, that in spite of our rebellion and sin, he's come after us, he's made a way through Christ for us to be forgiven, to come home, for God to be our hiding place. He wants to surround our, our life with songs of deliverance. He wants to speak into our life. He wants to, to uh, counsel us with his loving eye. And if you're here, you're listening wherever you are, and you have not yet given your life to Christ, you're in the far distant land like that prodigal son, and you're afraid to come home, the good news is that Jesus has made a way and that through the death of Christ, you can be forgiven. And it's not through your works, it's not through your penance, it's not through your prayers, it's not through your sacrifice. It's a gift of God that's given to you based on the life and death and the resurrection of Jesus. And that if you want to be forgiven, and you want to know the blessing of being forgiven, and you want to be restored in your relationship with God, you want God to lead and empower you to a whole new life like he promised to do for David, that you can do that, that that offer is on the table. And if you want to give your life to Christ and ask him to forgive you, in a few minutes, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. But I also want to talk to those of us who are followers of Jesus, and I want to ask this same question. Are you living in the land of forgiveness? Because the reality is sometimes we can be like David, that we can get off track. And for some of you right now, you may be living in sin. You may be living with your boyfriend. You may be living a lie. You may be uh, giving into some other uh, temptation in your life. You may be holding on to bitterness. You may be refusing to forgive. You may be living a lack of integrity in some area of your life. I don't know what it is. There's a million ways we can get off the track, right? But you've been living in that land of denial, and it's killing you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's calling you to leave that substance abuse, to put that down, to reach out, to get help, to go to celebrate recovery, to share it with some friends that you need to move towards healing. And you've been living in the land of denial. Whatever the sin is, you've been rationalizing, you've been justifying, you've been minimizing, you've been defensive, you've been excusing, you've been blaming. And like David, that pressure is on your life. And if that's you, it's time for you to come home. That God wants to restore that relationship. He wants to forgive you, but it requires that you're honest about what you've done, what you're doing, and are ready to turn. But you know, for others of us, when asked this question, are you living in the land of forgiveness? I think for many of us, even as followers of Jesus, we know the gospel, we know our relationship's not built on our performance, but on his, and yet the reality is we struggle. The reality is there are certain things that we've done in our life or things that have been done to us 
Maybe you've gone through a rape. Maybe you've uh, had an abortion. Maybe it's a string of sexual immorality. Maybe it's a, a, a murder. But there's things in our past that even though we've come to Jesus, they still keep us awake at night. We, we can't really believe that he longs to forgive us. And you know, the enemy uses this. We did that whole series on spiritual warfare and one of the most, his most powerful weapons is the weapon of shame. The weapon of accusation over things you've already confessed and asked God to forgive you and yet he continues to throw them back in your face. How can you believe you're a Christian? How can you really trust that God loves you? How do you believe that he will lead your life? I wanna tell you today that what we're seeing here in David's life is God's message for you that he loves you. It doesn't matter where you've, what you've done or where you've been. That God always cares more where you're going than where you've come from. And his cross was for you. His blood covers whatever it was. And he wants to invite you into the land of blessing. This is why he died. So that he could be your safe place. He could be your hiding place. This, he could be your refuge. He could save you from the raging waters of your past, your guilt. It's why he's come. And he is not holding on to that. He wants to lead you to a place of blessing. And so the first question is, are you living in the land of forgiveness? The second question is, are you ready to listen and follow? You know, we talk a lot here about Iraqi people, about listening and following. It's our motto. Um, sometimes there's danger in that, that we, we get so familiar with language, we forget what it means. But we're told this over and over in the Bible. And this is a message that God gives to David. The moment that he came back and confessed, God said, you're forgiven, now let's move forward. But he said, to move into the future that I have for you and to live under the blessing that it's not just about confession, it's about listening and following. Don't be like the horse or mule anymore. That I will counsel you, I will guide you, but now you need, if you wanna move in the future I have, you wanna live under the blessing, you need to listen and follow. I know one of the things I've learned in my life as a young believer, maybe you've experienced this in yours, is that sometimes when we get off track spiritually, the pressure we're feeling from the Holy Spirit is heavy hand upon us, it's so painful that we just long to be back in that place of peace. And so we come before the Lord and we ask him to forgive us. And we do, we confess our sin, but, it, but deep down inside we know that we're not forsaking our sin. That what we want is the peace, but we're not ready to listen and to follow. And of course this never works. It leads to an endless cycle of asking God to forgive us and then going back to the same old sin and then back to the hand of the Lord upon us, and it's just this, this endless cycle. And so the question is that if you want to live in the land of blessing, it starts with forgiveness. It starts with confession and receiving this, but then the Lord will be speaking to you, and he'll say, I want to counsel you with my loving eye upon you. But now as you move in the future, you can't be like the horse. You can't be like the mule. You can't do life like you have. You need to let me lead you. You need to listen and you need to follow. 
And so the second question is, are you listening and are you following? Because that is always the path of blessing. Let's pray together. Father, once again, I thank you for the beauty and the power of your word. I never get over it. This page after page we open up just speaks with power. It speaks with authority. It speaks with beauty. It speaks with conviction. It speaks with freedom. It leads the path to life. And so, Father, as we come today, we just pray that we could learn from David's example, his challenge to us that those, those of you who are faithful, that in times of trouble, seek him because this is how he'll respond. He is a God that longs to forgive you. He's not grudgingly giving you forgiveness. He longs, he's pursuing you. He's driving you to that place of forgiveness so that he can bless your life. And so, Lord, we thank you for your beautiful love as well as your reckless love, a love that's obviously not reckless in and of itself, but it's to a human being it would look reckless because it's so extreme. A God that runs hard after us to pursue us to drive us to a place of confession, freedom, forgiveness, and blessing as we listen and follow you. We pray you meet us now as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.